This is SR1. Talkative. Magazine on air. Okay, but is it really excessive to own 32 pairs of shoes? <laughs> I mean, it, I know the number sounds high, but go home and count your shoes. You might have that many. I don't know. Right? I I don't, but you you may, but and I would know that because I was just in your apartment. Okay, but you may, Anna. Maybe you should count because you got winter, you got summer, you got the dress shoes, you got the shoes you never got rid of from high school. I mean, come on. Sure. In, in my defense, I had to get rid of the shoes I would have never gotten rid of from high school <laughs> because when I pulled them out of a box before I packed up and moved into our new house, Was I there realized, something creepy in it? No, oh. I realized that the fake leather and the suede was all disintegrating off the shoes. Oh. And it, it obviously was time to part ways with them. But uh, a little nostalgia never hurt anybody. <laughs> and we love nostalgia. We do. And this is Talkative Magazine on Air, where nostalgia is the name of the game. Mm-hmm. So we are here every Sunday evening from 10 to 11 p.m. on SR1 Sundays, part of News Talk STL. And you can find past episodes anywhere you get your podcasts and through the News Talk STL website, newstalkstl.com slash talkative. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're going to think, Emily, why did you ask if something creepy came out of the box? Is anyone thinking that? Because that was weird <laughs> for me to ask. Um, no, I mean, spiders are a problem. I know, but, I know, but you wouldn't get rid of a pair of shoes because there was a spider in the box. Okay, that's true. What, what were you thinking? I can't get this image out of my head that I never wanted to see that mm. you sent me earlier this week. What did I send you? You sent me this thing of this... Oh, way- I'm so sorry. Yes, this yes. Wayfair furniture... That somebody, this desk somebody had that, oh my gosh, like a nasty, oh, I had a dream, Anna. I had oh so many dreams last night. Thanks Let to me this. describe this video to you. So it's this video that somebody posted and they said, beware of buying cheap furniture online because when you're not buying native wood to America, mm-hmm. you don't know what is in the wood. So these cheap, like, you know, particle board, whatever products you're getting from Amazon and Wayfair and whatever, mm-hmm. you, like there can be bug eggs, I guess, and burrowed bugs in them that are dormant and then eventually can wake up and come out of your cheap furniture. So there's this like bizarre, huge beetle looking bug it's coming sick. out of this desk. And this person's like, I've had this desk for a year. Like, yeah, this is coming out and you can watch it. It's it's really it's disturbing. Sick. So but, but now I'm now I'm paranoid. And this person was like, and this is why I thrift all my furniture and I get it from, you know, and I like check to make sure it's American made native, yeah. native woods to here because like this is not even a bug that lives. Yeah, in exactly. It's not States. even a, I don't know. an American bug. It doesn't right. belong here. And it's, you know, creating a hole in her thin desk like yeah. narrow you know wood and it's, it's 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 sick and so she literally burned the desk yeah but yeah i would have done the same that's not thousand i do percent. not think that is an overreaction at all no. burn it burn it no if something like that came out of my shoe thousand percent of wood <laughs> i would, oh. would burn them would oh get i would rid of be them. so i would be throwing up like <laughs> to, to be fair i haven't actually thrown up being over like being disgusted but i always think i'm going to yeah mm-hmm. i'm glad i have a, a stronger stomach than that but also um heebie-jeebies are you know ugh. yeah yes. but you are right anna you do know my shoe collection 
a bit because you were just over at my apartment because this week, mm. major things started happening. I <laughs> was rearranging my furniture and that is huge for me because I love rearranging my space. It just, it feels like it, I'm, 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 in, I'm entering a new chapter every time I rearrange my furniture. Like it's setting the scene for a new energy and a new chapter of my life because Yes. The feng shui is all different, right? Major life overhaul. Imagine what I could do with this extra space that yeah. I've created. Imagine how much cozier this reading nook corner can be. Imagine. I will actually be the person that reads a book in my comfy armchair. Exactly. It makes mm -hmm. you imagine who you could be, who you want to be. Right. Will you be that person? I don't know. Will I? No, I don't know. <laughs> but I could be. And, and now the possibilities are just opening up. So I have you to thank yes. for that, for coming over and doing the puzzle that is my furniture in my apartment because I have too much furniture for a small space. Uh, well, yeah, I can relate. We've, you know, had this problem always yeah. living in uh, small you know, old homes. Yeah, old homes with quirky corners and spaces mm -hmm. and small closets. So, But it's so cozy and I'm really excited is. to like be a different version of myself in this new organized space. So. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> what was your week like? How, what what uh, were you up to? I honestly can't remember. It's It's been super rainy, so it's been hard to keep my toddler entertained. Um, we went to the library. I don't know what it is about going to the library, but every time I take him, I end up with like a, a diaper bag and a tote bag and all this stuff because I'm like, okay, we're going to get some books. So I need a tote bag. I need his diapers. So I'm like, whatever, I'll leave the diaper bag in the car. I'll go in with my, you know, little purse and my tote bag for the books without fail every time. He always poops as soon as we get inside. So we start looking at books. He's toddling around. I'm like, oh, did, did you? Yeah. And then he he did. So then immediately I have to check out whatever two oh. books I have, take him out to the car, change him. And then it's a game of, is it worth going back inside? Do I just call it? Did, did the five minutes we were here satisfy our library time? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. But, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah. Uh, I should know better. I should know better. But also, it's such a hassle carrying all this stuff. So I'm excited for potty training days to yeah. be over, actually. I haven't started yet, but <laughs> but I don't. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to the potty training itself, but getting past that yeah. sounds nice. It'll be over before you know it, and it'll be a whole new game, you know? Yeah. I was just thinking that, too, though, because I was talking about uh, when, we, when we had to wean him off his binky, which has now been quite a while, yeah. but... But that was such such a big deal at the time because it was like, oh, my God, we finally got him to sleep on his own. But if we take this away, then he can't soothe. And, you know, so it's like every stage there's something new to to try and it's difficult. But then it's like, oh, man, but we did it and we're past that. Yeah. So looking forward to being out of diapers is the point here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We got some headline highlights for you this week. Anna, do you want to kick us off? Yeah. So. Last summer, everywhere was the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. And that, I mean, they televised it. So it was great fodder for entertainment, gossip, whatever. Um, everybody had their opinions on it. Well, guess who wants to capitalize on that? Uh -huh. ne Netflix. So there is a three-part docuseries coming out next week or a week and a half from now. Um, about, it's called Depp versus Heard. And it's supposed to be... Um, uh, side by side comparing their testimonies and like who who was telling the truth whatever it's interesting to me though that we get, 
well, first of all, this trial only happened a year ago. Like it's not that old. Um, most of us recall it vividly. Like it was, you know, didn't happen when we were kids and we're revisiting <laughs> it. Like this just happened and it was televised. So we have the actual footage. So it seems a little bit of a stretch to me that people are going to sit through this again. Yeah. Like when you could just watch the actual trial. Why would you want to watch the docuseries? Well, I mean, listen, I didn't watch the trial and I didn't keep up with it. Maybe it's just they're they're trying to take advantage of the fact that we have different like preferred ways of consuming content. So I'm True. less likely to watch a trial and I would be more likely to watch a docuseries after the fact when something's not a buzzworthy topic that way because it feels like then I have the space to interpret it my own way and consume it like in my own time so it actually is a little more attractive to me though i do agree it seems a little unnecessary and opportunistic yeah well the thing about it too is that okay i understand what you're saying like yes maybe having it um delivered to you on a platter in this way (laughs) is a little more you know digestible for a lot of people but also then you inherently are getting someone else's lens on it and and we know exactly how this went in the media when, you know, they, if, if you forgot what the trial was about, right, they were basically both accusing each other of defamation and abuse and yada, yada. Um, and Johnny Depp won in a landslide, like totally won. Amber's claims did not hold up whatsoever. Um, and she really had nobody to come to her defense either. So it was kind of a joke. However, up until the actual trial, um, Johnny Depp had been blacklisted, all his ties with Disney were cut and all of this stuff and yeah. really it was like she pointed the finger and he lost his career and that was that until the trial and now slowly he's making his way back but uh, you know th- there was a lot of judgment placed on him before anybody had the facts and so guilty until proven innocent exactly and yeah. so now that the trial's over and we can all move past it and now that there's a cash grab to make a docuseries on it just seems like Maybe they're going to come at it like, but but did we get the real info? Did we really? Or was this the patriarchy? Was this, you know, and it's like, okay, get, give it a rest. Like right. Amber, Amber was full of crap. Like, let it go. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if they're going to try to spin it in some some way like that. I wonder. I know. There's actually another docuseries apparently in the works, too, because if you recall, Gwyneth Paltrow was also in a publicized uh, That's right. incident in, uh, court case about a skiing incident that happened years ago with some guy. She won. This was like right. not a big deal at all. Um, he was basically like, you ran into me and injured me and all these things. And then there was like video of him on a boat and, you know, like he was not he very was, injured. Right. So apparently this is being made into a docuseries too. Hmm. And uh, yeah, I don't know. This what is, is, I don't what? know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if I have interest in watching either of these things, but I will say that Gwyneth interests me more just because I find her a bizarre, quirky person. And I don't know if you saw this, but she just listed her home, her Montecito guest house on Airbnb as part of a paid partnership with them. So it's free to up to two guests for one night. I think it's September 9th. And she like you can come and stay in her guest home and she will provide dinner and she and her husband will join you for dinner. And like for just one night for just one night. It's just part of a paid partnership as a as a cure to loneliness. Is but how like, she she build it. But how about we get just two people to come into this very large home on a private property. Right. To connect more with people, a.k.a. a celebrity. Like, right. What? 
That's yeah. so weird though, because how, how do you determine who gets to stay there? I couldn't find details on that. I was like, well, wh- how's this work? I didn't realize that it was free. I was like, well, if it's somebody has to pay to book it, someone's going to book that immediately. Right. If it's a contest, I don't know how you enter. Um, I'm not really sure what the details are, but uh, I guess that Airbnb's kind of done a lot of these partnerships lately. They did one um, with the Barbie Mansion in Malibu mm. uh, as well. So I don't know. There were like two nights that people could stay there that were in July. So. I don't know, but um, yeah, weird. Gwyneth Paltrow, fascinating to me. Yeah, that's very weird. So I want to talk about Lizzo. Oh, gosh. Okay, yeah, okay. I, wa- I want you to tell me what you know. Here's what I know. If you guys haven't heard, Lizzo's been in the news. So Lizzo is known for her high energy and being fat. Yeah. And um, I, hey, the songs that have been on the radio that have been the top hits, I think they're fun. They're fun songs. Sh- sure. Whatever. Sure. Fine. But um, I'm not, I'm not pro um you know advertising fat as healthy and that is a part of what she does and that is a part of her brand so that's not attractive as a as a stance and as a brand to me um but she is coming out now and everyone is on her case because apparently she well there's a lawsuit there's a lawsuit but she has been accused of fat shaming of -hmm. all things her own backup dancers and she has been accused of sexual harassment to her her cast, her dancers, her team. Um, and well, all- that's really funny that she would fat shame. I guess maybe it's just an issue of like maybe there's not room on the stage for all these fat people. Well, that's what I'm wondering. I'm like, hmm, maybe she just doesn't want to have to share the spotlight with another fat person on the stage, right? And somebody talented enough that can actually dance. Yeah. Now I haven't actually looked up pictures of the dancers in question. Maybe they aren't even that large. Maybe they're just they put on weight, but. Um, yeah, so there's been two particular like pieces of information in this in this accusation in this trial. Uh Amsterdam club accusation. So there is a club, a strip club that apparently in the red light district of mm-hmm. Amsterdam. Apparently Lizzo, she goes out to these after parties regularly with her like cast and she says it's not mandatory that they go but anybody who does go is clearly favored by her and if you don't go you are your job's more in jeopardy you're less right. valuable right so there's this social pressure to go to these clubs and do these after parties to, at these strip clubs where then Lizzo pressures you to touch these new dancers to engage with these props they have on stage i'm not mm-hmm. going to get into specifics because it's really crude you can look up it's an article really on that. crude but it's, it's in really Amsterdam, crude in the red light district so you can let your imagination take you mm-hmm. where it will on that one but a lot of pressure has led some of these people on her team to participate in ways that they were not comfortable doing um asked to go up on stage getting yelled at take it off you know all this mm-hmm. stuff so this, this that's the sexual harassment side of things um, and there's a claim against her. There's also a racial harassment claim linked to this lawsuit as well. And fat phobic stuff. So apparently one of her dancers has been putting on weight. And that's something that she's now, she calls out. And look, I just think it's so hypocritical, obviously. But what's more disturbing to me is not the comments on her dancers gaining weight, but it's the sexual harassment stuff. Absolutely. I find that to be 
why like what she's clearly really sick like that is messed up kind of stuff to force upon people obviously in this lack of bodily autonomy that she doesn't respect on for people i mean yeah. that's the stuff that seems really sick like what's going on with her you know yeah well when we come back we will chat a little bit more about this and let's also talk about some other weight gain weight loss issues happening in society today so stick around Well, we were talking about Lizzo before the break and uh, her fat girl revolution. So let's <laughs> let's talk. Uh, <laughs> Well, okay. I think that Lizzo's whole platform, right, has been that, you know, oh, you know, everyone's body shaming. Like, I'm fat and fabulous. And look Mm -hmm. at what I can do. I own my body. I think I'm hot. I'm healthy. You know, whatever. And it's not a shock to me that somebody whose focus is all about something that's clearly unhealthy. Like, I mean, again, I come back to, like, we are so afraid to be guilted or shamed like we don't use that as a tool anymore now it's now it's absolutely forbidden like god forbid that someone tell me that i'm doing something wrong or or not the best now we say if you are feeling any guilt or shame look outwardly determine what's making you feel that way and then label that thing a problem because nothing Vilify should make it. you feel that way rather than taking these feelings of shame and guilt and saying, oh, maybe that's my conscience telling me something's amiss here. I should change my ways, my thinking, my actions. Exactly. So the fact that this is a backwards person anyway doesn't really shock me that she is not living by, quote unquote, her own moral code here, Mm -hmm. right? Like, oh, fat is beautiful unless it's somebody that's trying to be fat next to me because that would upstage my fatness and take (laughs) away from my spotlight, right? So my dancers can't be um, taking anything away from me. They can't be drawing attention. And also I... I'm on some kind of power trip where I'm going to tell them what they can and can't do with their bodies. And I I want them to like, please me like, like they're her jesters or something. Exactly. Like it's very demoralizing and it is, it's dehumanizing. It's very gross. It is on the flip side of this, on the flip side of this whole like fat culture, we also still have what we've always had, which is people that are trying to get thinner. Right. And, and if you have paid attention, then you know that as a society, that we are getting bigger as people. We're we're gaining weight. The average dress size, the average weight is higher than it has been in mm-hmm. decades past. And it's not totally straightforward why that's the case. You know, it's not that we're just eating so much more. It's not that we're just binging on McDonald's and we sit on our butts all day. That doesn't explain it, right? Because mm-hmm. you have very healthy people. You have people that are trying to eat well, that are trying to exercise, that still are not you know, these svelte people that we see, you look at pictures of, you know, people on the beach in the seventies and you don't see a fat person. And now it's like, you obviously would see a fat person everywhere you go. You see them everywhere. And like you said, it's like normal average people who eat relatively healthy, like still can't escape it. Still can't escape it. What's going on? So what's going on? Well, I have some thoughts, but also I want to talk about what are people doing to avoid that mm-hmm. so in the past couple months um, we have so Lisa Marie Presley just passed and it was kind of a shock to everyone she was only 54 I think she was young 
Uh, and at, at first it was a, you know, undetermined what her cause of death was. Turns out that it was a complication from bariatric surgery. So several years ago, she had the like lap band surgery that shrinks your stomach mm-hmm. so that you can't eat as much so that you then lose weight. And clearly it worked. She was looking good. She was thin, you know, whatever. But as a complication of this, apparently she'd been feverish for months. Um, she like they couldn't figure out what was causing this, and I guess it was some kind of infection. She had a bowel obstruction that oh my that caused her death ultimately, and so they found this out after the fact. And to me, it's like okay, well, maybe maybe it's a good thing, right, that we can do this surgery for people who are really clinically morbidly obese. That maybe there's a way to get them back on the right path and get them active again to the point where they can lose some of the weight themselves. Maybe. Sure. But, but why are we in a place that we need this? Why are we in a place that we need Ozempic? If you've been paying attention to, you know, what's happening in Hollywood, Mm -hmm. then you might've noticed that, you know, uh, uh, what's her name? Mindy Kaling, Mindy Kaling, the Kardashians, all these celebrities that are suddenly, you know, shrinking multiple dress sizes over the course of months. And you're thinking, well, what changed for you? Oh, I just went on a juice cleanse. Oh, I've just been Uh doing Pilates with my instructor. No, okay, sure you have. You've been taking these type two diabetes drugs that slow the the process of digesting food in your stomach so that you stay full for longer, you eat less, and therefore you lose a lot of weight. Wait a minute. Okay, just... Wait. Mm-hmm. So yes, I've heard about this. Yeah. But isn't isn't it also associated that fast metabolisms equate to slimmer people? Yes. Well, so isn't that the opposite of what's going on there in that case? Like let is, me feel full, have a slow metabolism and then not eat. Well, okay, I think I think I'm not a doctor. I know. Okay. I, and and I don't have I don't have a straightforward answer on this, but here's what I'm I think is going on. I think if you have a fast metabolism, then the things that are going through your system are out of your system therefore quicker. Yes. So, you know, they, then they're not staying. You're not absorbing all that stuff. You're not bloated, you're not whatever. I think that if you have the, the, what these drugs do, what Ozempic and Wagovi and Manjaro do, mm-hmm. is they slow the actual digestion process so that your stomach contents sit there longer so that you are not hungry. Like your stomach still has food in it. So you don't, you don't eat. eat. You don't eat That's terrible. You know, I'm just thinking, I'm spitballing here. Sorry. I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm, a, I'm no doctor. I don't know much about all this business. I just eat like a person and continue with my life Mm -hmm. whatever but seems to me like if I was going to take a drug to try to be a certain weight and be skinnier I would want to take something that would speed up my metabolism if those are drugs that exist because that way you can whip through the food and then eat again because we all enjoy to like have a meal and have a dessert and like that that way you can actually continue your diet or rather Mm -hmm. you know continue consuming but still be small they should sure. create a drug like that, but they shouldn't actually. No. Um, let's not take drugs <laughs> for, you know, physical, for the sake of our physical appearance. But, you know, I'm just saying that sounds more appealing. Well, but but theoretically, if you're full all the time, you're not craving those things. I guess. Right, but know? what a bummer. Like, yeah. Your friend says, hey, let's go get a bite. And you're like, well, I guess. No, I'm not hungry. <laughs> yeah. I'll sit and watch you eat. Yeah. Uh, right. So anyway, all this to say that we have a lot of methods now of trying to maintain our weight or lose weight that are clearly not natural things to do. Mm -hmm. 
why do we need these things? We didn't need these things in years past. It, like I said, like it's not that we've as a society been so overweight that we've just had all these people that couldn't lose weight that were suffering. No, we didn't have them. So why is that? Well, we know what's going on with our food. And if you don't know what's going on with your food, I suggest you start doing some research about what's going on. It's bad stuff. And it makes us gain weight. It also makes us you know, sunburn differently. It affects skin cancer rates. It's like the things that we're eating are causing metabolic changes. And it's not over, it's not, it's not just, you know, oh, I eat bad things. It's like, no, I think I'm eating good things, especially things that are marketed as healthy, right? Mm -hmm. These, you know, weight loss shakes and these supplements and these, you know, bars and whatever and cereal, you know, Cheerios. Okay. What's being sprayed on our grains? Why do all of our breads in the store have sugars in them? Mm -hmm. Like the things that you thought you were getting nutritionally from years past, they're different now. The things that your grandmother bought in the store have different ingredients Literally, in them Literally, like the same brand. Like if you look at a box of wheat thins or something from 2023 versus the packaging in 1990 or something, right. the ingredients have changed. And those things are impacting us. Does that make it anybody's fault? Of course not, but... I think that the problem is that we're not holding these, you know, big food accountable. I think that there's a lot of issues going on with that. And so then we resort to things like taking, you know, prescription drugs that are meant for actual ailments to lose weight. We resort to these surgeries and clearly there's risks. So I don't know if you've heard about what's happening to people that are taking Ozempic and Wagovi and Manjaro, but uh, a side effect of this is stomach paralysis where your stomach literally stops digesting food. Oh, my gosh. So it's sitting there. You have food that's been in there for days. Oh, my gosh. Gross. Yeah. That so, sounds like. So normally your stomach contents kind of, you know, digest in the process of like four hours ish, give or take. And this is like people who have had the same food sitting in their stomach for like 10 days. That's so wrong. It, well, it's wrong. And it's also extremely dangerous. Well, like, right. I'm thinking there's, there, there's no way like. No, no, it's terrible. So, so what do we do about that? Well, first of all, maybe like don't take, you know, medications for off-brand use. But also, why are we allowing people to take these things? Like mm -hmm. what and why do we need them? We need them because there's bigger issues going on. We're people that are, you know, obsessed with athleisure and with working out and there's all these <laughs> fitness programs and whatever, but we're still struggling to lose weight and to stay healthy. And it's insidious. It's like snuck into everything. Even yeah. even the quality of our soil is different so that the fruits and veggies that we're eating don't have the nutrients they used to have. So you're not even getting as much out of the good things that you eat as you used to get. Exactly. Yeah. So then, you know, you have people who crap all over eat like taking supplements but realistically nowadays even if we ate good foods we aren't going to be getting all the nutrients we're supposed to be getting so right. it does make sense to supplement to some extent i don't know the science behind it all you know do you pee it right out i'm not sure about it all but i know that we need something to supplement what we're not getting in our diet somehow i know and this is why it's overwhelming though right because it's like again how how can every person be an expert in medicine and nutrition and exercise and every like you aren't getting this information anywhere i mean people aren't telling you this you don't go to the store and think like you know what i should i should just double check that the brand of thing that i always buy hasn't changed ingredients right every time i go to the store first of all who has time for that second of all like what are your options like you don't you know everything is 
you know, health washed. I'm making that term totally. up. But but things say all the time, right? Like you go and buy a box of Cheerios. It says like, you know, approved by the American Diabetes Association and, you know, heart health and, mm-hmm. you know, and it's gluten free and it's whatever. Okay, but it's Cheerios. And then you look at it and it's like the ingredients on this are not great. And all of our grains are sprayed with glyphosate. So we're ingesting toxins that are literally banned in every other country, you know, and yeah. And, and it impacts us. It's the reason that when you go to, you know, Europe and you eat bread, so many people that have issues with gluten in America go overseas and they can eat bread and pasta and be fine. And it's like, well, yeah, because they're not poisoning their own crops that we are. And we don't have regulations on those things. So, yeah, we're suffering. And it might take, you know, generations, you know, we're three generations in, let's say now of, you know, people eating this. And it's like, okay, well, our grandparents didn't suffer and our parents may not have suffered, but maybe we are. Mm -hmm. And certainly what our kids are doing is going to like, it's overwhelming. And then what's the alternative? The only thing we can do now if we've all and we're losing the ability and the knowledge and the time to be independent with Mm -hmm. these items like. We have to grocery shop. We don't have gardens. We're city people. We don't have space. Exactly. Or whatever. Or, you know, we have to eat. We have to dine out because we don't have time to cook. Or we get these meals that are pre-made that we just, you know, pop in an oven or in a microwave, even worse. Exactly. And all this stuff. So that's the lifestyle that over the last few generations we are now living. And it's gotten so, we're so dependent on the food that's just being served to us that what do how do we fight back now that we're getting this information mm-hmm. we have to change our entire lives to like the opposite degree now we have to like you know 180 it like i'm a city person i don't have time to do this 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 i never have my parents right. didn't either this is the generation we're in and now i have to become you know a farmer right <laughs> like, that's not that doesn't make sense no. you can't just like i mean some people are going to do that extreme because they get that passionate and do that but that's not realistic for the average person so how do we combat this well right and not to mention all the skills that we don't have because right. they haven't been passed down most people don't cook at home regularly and if they do what does that even mean if you're buying pre-made things you know so yeah i ate a meal at home quote unquote would i make a hot pocket like what (laughs) you know what i'm saying or you know i I bought groceries and i cooked a proper meal but you know who i don't know how this chicken was raised and i don't know how these veggies were you know the crops were sprayed and all this stuff that you might be doing what you can that's healthier than a restaurant but it's still not what it needs to be at the end of the day you're just doing the best that you can how do we actually make the strides to help not just you as an individual but everything that we have access to for all people be healthier why are we killing ourselves why is this country choosing this well right and also you know it's like even if you knew what you could get it's not affordable it's it's very expensive if you're gonna go buy grass-fed grass-finished beef and you know whatever it's astronomically more expensive than buying the cheap you know burgers at walmart and you might be hearing this talk and you might be thinking wow these girls are so granola like what are with these hippie girls but this is like i heard someone describe it this is like the last tier that the conservative movement conservative movement is kind of discovering you know if you are ready to be a skeptic and to question big government in a lot of other ways you should be open-minded enough to question it in this category as well exactly so i i i do think it's worth looking into and researching if you are 
like thinking that we sound too hippie for you, I do think it's worth looking into because every category is worth the skepticism. And do your own research and see what you think on it. But good place to start. Check out The Spillover. It's a podcast. There are a lot of episodes dealing with topics surrounding this issue. Yeah. Great place to start with a lot of knowledgeable guests. When we come back, we are going to talk about child stardom in Hollywood. So stick around. Magazine on air. You better work. Talkative. Magazine on air. All right. Classic talkative fashion. We are going to be discussing Hollywood and child stars. Our favorite topic. I know. So I was really interested the other day when I saw this post and it was kind of a teaser trailer that I'm actually going to play for Ooh, us. Because I love it. Because I think she says it better than I can. But Allison Stoner, who was Disney Channel child star, uh, was in Camp Rock and Mike's Super Short, Super Short Show. Mike's Super Short Show. She was uh, like a, 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 not a not a forefront type of person. She was always no. in the background, side character. Mostly she was known for her dancing. She's yeah. a, she was a professional dancer. Um, and I think toured with... Uh, Missy Elliott or somebody. Oh, sure. Anyway, um, so she has had a kind of troubled life since Disney, it seems. Um, it, for reference, she now goes by they, them. Mm. And yeah, so that tells you a lot. But she's coming out with a new podcast that premieres on August 11th, and it's called Dear Hollywood. And I'm going to let her tell you what it's about. Talkative. Drug addiction, psychiatric hospitalizations, decimated fortunes, sexual trauma, incarceration, suicide. Name something comparable to the pop culture phenomenon of child stardom. I'm Allison. I started performing at three years old and working professionally in Hollywood at seven. In Dear Hollywood, I'm going to take you to every stop of the way from toddler to train wreck. Are you here for gossip and a conspiracy? For passive entertainment? For social activism? No one's ever called you into the conversation like this. And I'm gonna need your help. Okay, so that was Allison telling us about Dear Hollywood. Now, I think that she's going to dive into her own personal story quite a bit, um, which I know nothing about, really. Uh, But I think she also plans on having guests on that were either stars around her time on Disney and maybe Nickelodeon or elsewhere. Um, Seems like, you know, based on the kind of little blips she gave us that she may be talking about some of the more well-known ones. We know what happened to Brittany, what happened to Amanda, you know, so we'll see, but I'm I'm, interested. I'm interested, especially because Alison Stoner is one of those people that didn't have huge fame as far as, as far as us Disney viewers were concerned. She She wasn't on covers of magazines. No, not at all. She was nearly like irrelevant. You could have replaced her with somebody else in that movie and it would have been fine. Like we wouldn't have known any different. So I kind of appreciate that because, you know, it just will bring to light. It's not just the big stars that go through these traumas and, and whatever these terrible experiences are. It's all of them. It's every child star has the potential for this tragic 
life to for follow victimhood even if they didn't even get that famous you know right although not to downplay her you it's know tr- she was very she, talented she, she was, yes a dancer too first dancer and, foremost, and, really. and had a, and had a pretty good you know b-list career for disney you know yeah like, name recognition lots of bit parts and background roles in big things so she was around but yeah. she you know again yeah, I'm curious. I'm interested to hear what it's about. And I do think that um, she kind of hit the nail on the head because I do think that there's an element of this that is, you know, entertaining to people. That sounds really horrible. But, you know, anything mm-hmm. that seems um, salacious and in-depth in this way is always eye-catching. And it yeah. always garners attention. But I think that it'll be interesting to see how she approaches it because... I think she called some people out for being in it for the wrong reasons and wanting to hear about it, not because they want to change anything, not because they feel bad for the, you know, kids that suffered through this Mm and are calling for some kind of industry reform, but because they just want to know, like, oh, my God, did you hear what happened? Well, to be fair, though, I mean, that's what the average listener will probably be. I mean, the you and the me here, we're not going to be social activists for change necessarily. We are... We could be, who knows? But yeah. most people who are listening are just going to be like, oh my gosh, Alison Stoner, what's she up to? I, I remember her. Let me hear about these like details of her life. That is going to be the average viewer. So I didn't, I didn't pick up a tone of like, you know, like insulting anybody who's listening for the sake of gossip. I just think she was acknowledging there's going to be a lot of different listeners out there. But I'm putting the word out Fair. regardless of who you are and whose ears it's landing on. This is something I'm ready to share. You that, know, that's fair. So to kind of um, piggyback on that, there was a story that popped up for me a while back that I've just kind of held on to because the timing has never really been right to bring it up. But I feel like it ties in here. So on Nickelodeon, there was a show called Victorious mm-hmm. and the main actress, the lead was Victoria Justice. Um, She seems to have kept herself pretty uh, active, but in smaller things and seems kind of the same as she always was. Dude, like she hasn't aged. She looks the same. She looks exactly the same. Yeah, it's weird. And for more reference, just like Victoria Justice not only was on Victorious as the lead, but she was an actress on Zoe 101. Right. Zoe 101 has released... Or is releasing a movie? Just did I think. just did I on think Paramount? He, yeah, yeah. Um, so Zoe One One just did like a, a reboot movie. Victoria Justice is not in it. No. So I appreciate that. You know. Sure. So anyway, back to Victorious. Um, it was a, a large cast. The the uh, premise here was that this was like a performing arts high school in California, and so there were other like stars there were other lead actors and actresses on the show that uh you know had talent had had talent and also like pretty big starring roles although victoria justice was the namesake it was there were a lot of other leads there was one girl in particular elizabeth gillies um she was the kind of moody um goth kind of girl yeah um very pretty good singer there's you know clips of her and ariana grande performing together in the show Anyway, so at the time, Elizabeth was mm, 16, 17 when she was on the show. And at the time, she met this man that did the music for the show. His name was Michael Corcoran. 
Michael Corcoran was in his 30s. Yeah, I think thir- it's a 20-year age difference. Something like that. Yeah. Almost exactly. Like 36, 37. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently, this is just news as of like the a past year or two. Um, they've gotten married. And you might be thinking, well, okay, but she is how old now? She's like 30, yeah. 31. Uh, so he's, you know, 50-ish. Uh, they're adults, like age gap's big, but eh. Okay, but they met when she was like 16 mm-hmm. and a minor. And the they kept it under wraps. They've been together for a while now. In fact, if you ask her, they got together when she was 18. Oh, isn't that convenient? Exactly. Isn't that convenient that they got to, together right after she turned legal? Uh, they've kept it under wraps this whole time. Nobody's known. And if you ask her and you believe her, then her messaging is, well, I just had a huge crush on him. And, you know, it was unrequited right. for those two years until I was legal. Right. The story is like they met on the show by the time when she was 18 is about when they decided, hey, let's date. And mm-hmm. then 10 years later or whatever, they get married. Right. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. So fans, when they heard this news, when it broke that they got married. Right. So they're adults. They've gotten married. Yeah. Fans were like, "Uh, are, are you OK? Like, is this was this what you wanted like because it seems a little groomy it seems a little untoward yeah and uh she's like well we're adults you know people just don't understand our love age is just a number essentially um but i think this is one of those things where it's like nobody would question it at this point in her life if they met now and she got married it's like you're an adult you do what you want Mm -hmm. is that a weird thing to do yes but you do you when you were 16 years old however um, you don't have the capacity, you don't have the capability of really understanding the levity of that situation. And you are also, if for anybody who's done any kind of performing arts, you know that when you are working on a show, on a set, in that bubble, things can feel very isolated oh, yeah. to that little entourage cast of people that you spend your days with. So it's also kind of this fabricated little bubble of an environment that if she's only 16 and she's spending her days putting her heart and soul into this every day, this is her work. She's also a working child, you know? Right, which so. gives you the um, the feeling of being more adult than you are, which mm-hmm. I think is where a lot of this gray area comes in with the child abuse and whatever is because these kids, a lot of times, I think, victimize themselves not to blame them it's not their fault but the point being that they they have more autonomy than most kids their age do in everywhere else in the world and so they they then make decisions feeling like they're adults which i think anybody does at any given stage of your life you know if you think back to when you were 16 17 yeah you don't think of yourself as a child you think you are making the best you are making probably the best decisions that you can at that time but it's not until you look back in hindsight that you're like oh my gosh like i was a child so in the moment right. she she is probably confident in her own decision making mm-hmm. and i'm sure she is because she's been in a bubble that included a lot of adults yeah. and not a lot of kids her age she's and, been insulated from that so when you are a 16 year old i mean you know it's like the you know have a have a crush on your high school teacher thing mm-hmm. you know nothing happens with that for most people because it's 
it's the situation. It's situational. This mentorship. This mentorship, this, this, you know, you're the only, you know, person that's, you know, got it together in this scenario, right? High school boys are dumb, but this teacher, he's, you know, got it together and he's so wise and And he sees something in me and it's, you know, so it's that mentorship thing. And again, when you're in a scenario that doesn't include enough people your own age and doesn't include those protections, what happens? So yeah, at this point, I'm sure she does feel confident and secure in that, but the issue is not what's happening now. It's what happened then. And mm-hmm. also, do we do we believe that they waited until she was 18 to get together? I don't. Yeah. I don't. I think it's a little suspicious that we didn't know they were even in a relationship until they suddenly tied the knot now. Right. Like, I don't think that was... Like I, I think that was on purpose, you know? Yeah, no, Let's absolutely. wait till I'm very much a full-fledged adult. Yeah. And so much time has passed that no one can really comment on what was going on 10, 12 years ago. They've covered the trail very exactly. well. Exactly. There's no... Which, why would you do that right. unless you were doing something that you know is wrong? Exactly. But I think this just goes into, like, again, is she somebody that whose name was well-known? Was she on the cover of magazines? Was she a huge star? No. And was Michael Corcoran even the huge, big-name, big-deal boss at the time? No. No, right? Like, he's not the director. He's not, you know, so... So it doesn't even take the person in the most power or the person with the most star power to fall into this trap. And I just think, yeah, when we talk about what's happening to kids in Hollywood, uh, I don't know how you how you prevent this besides uh, don't let your kid do it. Yeah. And, you know, I just on a side note, when you told me this, Anna, this has been on your on your list of topics for weeks and weeks and I've been dying to hear about it. So I yeah. So we talked about it last week, I know, in our personal mm-hmm. time. And I looked up an article, and it it was weird to me because the first article that pops up that I read, it's honestly pretty neutral. Like, the article doesn't exactly insinuate anything like, hmm, maybe this was actually happening before it was legal, or maybe this is inappropriate. It says yeah. her fans were worried, and it says that. But it's just interesting to me that a topic like this, articles can be written so in, in such a neutral fashion, in such a non-biased way, um, and yet things that should be able to be more neutral are always written in such a biased way. It's like, why are they so afraid to call out an inappropriate relationship here, but they are unable to have unbiased articles about real news? Like, yeah. do you know what I'm trying to no, get I at? No, I do, but like, I feel like they can't make the insinuation unless it's been made already. So... It, it, you know what I mean? I guess. Because, because what do they want? They want to get sued? Clearly, she's going to defend him. There's no one to back up their story that has any insight. There's so, nothing, yeah, there's nothing that can necessarily be done, but it just seems like, where is the concern? If you're going to be right. neutral, if if our journalists out there are going to be neutral and unbiased across the board, that would actually be ideal. That's what we need. We need yeah. some out, we need some source to be that way. But we know they're not, like, literally ever. And then something like this comes up and they're able to write something so neutral. And I think that's just, I think that's just a reflection of our morals as a society that why can they manage that without the assumptions? But I know. All right, you guys, this brings us to the end of our time. Uh, Not to leave you on a sad note, but there was a bit of information we wanted to share. So the actor, Paul Rubens, he is Pee Wee Herman passed away on july 30th uh it was just 
very unexpected news. And I know. Well, he kept his cancer a secret. He, right. he passed of cancer at the age of 70. He did not tell anyone in the public that he had cancer in a similar fashion to Gene Wilder. Right. I think kind of just, just to protect the, you know, kids and things. Oh, that still. Yeah. Norm, Norm MacDonald as well. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. right. Norm MacDonald just did this too. So I appreciate the keeping it private, but another another big loss. So not to leave you on that note, but, but, but we did. Enjoy so. your Sunday night, and we'll be back with you next week. Same time, same place. Talk to you. I know you are, but what am I? Infinity! This is SR1.